Now, you might not believe this, but the career path of almost every super successful individual included having a job just like the one you have now. You're either going to or coming from work, so we might as well talk about it today on Your Way to Work. And now, your host, Ricardo Witte. Hi, listeners. This is Rick Witted from the podcast show On Your Way to Work. And uh, I'm just going to tell you to pause the show if you did not listen to last week uh, with our uh, guest, Walter Price, uh, talking about how to stay relevant in an ever-changing workplace environment. I'm just telling you, don't listen. Spoiler, it's like catching the end of a really good movie and not seeing the buildup. Go back, listen to... uh, Uh, last week's episode and then dial back into this episode because we're finishing that conversation up today. Walter, thanks for staying with me on this side of the hour. I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure again. I appreciate the opportunity. So Walter has been in corporate America for 21 years and counting. Same company. They've had him working all over the place. Most recently moved him down to Florida He has seen um, countless restructuring and reorgs, as we all have in in the workplace, whether big business or small business. We have had an ever-changing clientele, and uh, as that's changed, the companies at rapid pace are trying to keep up with the, the, the fickle and sometimes very changing demands of our clients, what they need, not only what they need, how they need it and how they want it delivered. So at the start of last week's show, Walter, you said, you know, change is a must in, uh, in the workplace environment. If we're going to keep up and survive, we being the, the company as well as us, the workers in the workplace, you said change is a must. Um, and so you talked about some of the things last week that have allowed you to really stand out and uh, continually stand out long term in the workplace. You talked about professionalism and you had an acronym FAT, Faithful, Available and Teachable. And uh, believe it or not, that's about as much as we got through last week. <laughs> so you hit on two other points that I want to circle back for the listeners who tuned in for part two. You talked about being remarkable and dependable. Why don't you expound on those a little bit? Well, you know, Rick, the, the word remarkable itself, it just means something that is worthy of attention, something worth noticing, almost striking, you know, and I, I think some of the other words are really remarkable, uh, extraordinary, exceptional, amazing, astonishing. And so what is it? So when you think about the word remarkable, it's what makes you stand out from the rest. Right. Um, this, the building I work in, there's probably 2,000 people plus in that building. And so it's easy to become a face in the crowd, especially when you have a workforce as large as ours. And, you know, when you're trying to, you know, stay relevant and you want to stay in consideration for opportunities that come, 
um, you have to be remarkable, not only uh, for yourself, but for the company itself, because that's one of the, the campaigns that the company is, is undergoing right now is on remarkable, um, being extra sensitive, extraordinary to every customer, by every associate, every day, going above and beyond the call of duty, because the company I work for, that's one of the services that they sell. That's one of the things that they sell the most is their service, the remarkable service that we give. And so I don't want to get into the, uh, the, the slogan of the company because that would, that would kind of give the company away, not that they were mine. But we sell a service and we have to be able to deliver on the service that we sell. And so, um, in the, in the workplace, and when you're trying to um, get to that next level or keep your head off the shopping block, not the not the mark up that, right. but when you when you're trying when you're trying to do that, um, one thing that you don't want to do is uh, lack passion for what you do. Right. So, you know, when you were, there was a few things, and, and I would agree with that that statement. And just to help the listeners, um, I think there are a few areas that you, you have to be remarkable in. It, myself being a, a, a manager, um, I, there's a few things that I want to see, you know, um, this, this spirit of excellence uh, in, this remarkable remarkableness and one of those is your attitude um you can be in a room uh with 50 people and there's a function going on and it's a silent function and no one's talking but nothing will speak louder in that room about every individual in there like attitude and attitude is not just what you say it's how you say it it's not what you say, it's what you do and how you do it. Um, and um, I, I, you know, just now having, you know, a house full of teens, I can tell you attitude comes without words all the time. It's, it does. Correct. You know, and let me, let me clarify the, the remarkable culture within the company I work for is actually every... And it, it might not be exactly in this order, but it's every interaction, every associate, every day. And so basically what it is saying is that remarkable is your responsibility. If you're going to work for this company, it's not an option to be remarkable. It is a demand. It is a requirement. It is the very least that you can do. Every interaction every associate every day that wow. is your job to be remarkable and it, it involves uh from the beginning of uh, a matter to the conclusion of it that is your responsibility to make sure that every customer who has suffered a loss uh, has as good of experience as possible i love it i love it i, I think your company nailed it walter how does that not apply to everything in life, right? I'm thinking at home, right? Every interaction, every, every family member, yeah. every day, right? 
I'm thinking in my friendships, every interaction, every friend, every day. That sums up remarkable, and I think that's a great place. You talked about dependable, um, and so I know you got into some of that with the faithful. Anything you'd add to that around dependability? Dependability, to me, just means being able to be counted on to do what you've been hired to do. Yeah. Plain and simple. I understand that extenuating circumstances, you know, we all, that there has to be this work-life uh, balance, you know, but you do have a job to go to, and they expect you to do it. And so, in as much as uh, I can, I'm going to do the best job that I can and be as dependable uh, as possible. That means that the information that I'm given to my boss as I write these reports is, is reliable, they don't have to scour through every single word that I write because they know that I, I'm, I didn't dot the I, cross the E, didn't leave a hole in the E. Right. You know, they, they know that. And so uh, just, just being dependable. Um, we are adults, you know, that work in this workplace. We're not kids, and we shouldn't have to be handled as, uh, as kids. You know, so to me, just that's what it means to be dependable. Right. Right. I love it. And um, so there you go, uh, listeners. Professionalism, very important. Uh, I loved how uh, Walter said, dress the part of the job you want, being faithful and available and teachable and remarkable and, and dependable. I love that remarkable. Every interaction, every person, every day. I love it. So let, let me transition, Walter, and, and ask this question. What is the biggest mistake an employee can make during a season of change in the workplace? Because I know we've got some listeners that are going through that right now. I think that one of the, one of the biggest mistakes that can, can be made is, um, and maybe not necessarily in this order, is lack of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be flexible because the, the company is, you know, sometimes like some structure that restructuring that we've gone through as a company, it didn't automatically mean that you were going to be out of a job. It just meant that you may have to do something different. We're willing to accommodate that if you're willing to learn. And then some people are like, well, I've been doing these options, you know, I was. You know, with this company, I've been with this company 30 years, and I've been doing the same job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that what you're saying is no to the company. Mm-hmm. And when the company is going through some change in itself, it's, it's changing to stay relevant. The company is not the same company that I worked, I started working for one years ago. Right. It can't, it can't be the same company that I worked for 21 years ago because some of the technology that we use was, was different. Some of the uh, processes that we use, they're antiquated. And so the company had to, had to step up its game. Right. And as an employee, I got to step up my game too with the company. Right. And so I think one of the, one of the worst things that you can do in a, a season of change is to lack flexibility refuse to change and be negative yeah you have you have to see you have to have a positive outlook 
change is very uncomfortable. We may not like it. Some of the changes that the company has gone through, I haven't liked them. But the minute I roll up my sleeves and decide, you know what? I'm in it for the long haul. I got responsibilities. I got a child. I have financial obligations. It's time to uh, to do this because it's not just about me, but this is about my family. It's about the company I work for, and uh, it's time to the big boy up. Right. Hey, two questions in there. One, you said that often when people hear um, that the company is is changing or or restructuring in a different direction, their first thought is. I'm going to lose my job. Is that a natural first thought? Do you see that a lot? I think the human mind automatically goes to the worst case scenario, no matter what yep. Yep. situation. And, you know, people want to know two things. You know, when you start saying that change is coming, they want to know, okay, how much is it going to cost? <laughs> and is it going, and is it going to hurt? Right. Right. So, and, uh, <laughs> and, and they always go to the worst case scenario is, you know, how much is it going to cost? That means that I'm going to lose my job. Is it going to hurt? That means I'm going to die. Right. You know? <laughs> those, are the, those are the two worst case scenarios. And the human mind just automatically goes there. Um, you know, we went through a restructuring recently. And it has a lot to do with the way that it's presented. If it's presented in a good, strong, um, clear, and concise way, then mm-hmm. that lessens the chance for, you know, ambiguity, and you can calm the troops with the way that you communicate the message. That's right. That's but good. That's also, a good message for managers to hear what he just said. Go ahead, Walt. Sorry about that. No, it's, it's okay, and, and I'm, I'm glad you, you kind of pointed that out, but also, the way you receive the message and process through the message uh, plays a big role in how you're going to respond to the message. Right, right. And and you have to hear clearly what is being said, what is being communicated, and not just what you think. So Right. right. I, I agree. You know, we're the only species, humans that is, that when uncertainty occurs, we move faster. Uh, and, and I don't know if you've ever seen a lost dog. I happen to grow up in the country, so I've seen a lost dog. But when you see a lost dog, you'll know they're lost because they're, they're frozen. And they're kind of slowly looking to the left, looking to the right, trying to get their bearings. They won't move. Uh, and most animals are like that. But humans, when there's a cloudy weather and uncertain and we feel we're lost, we for some reason think going around in that circle faster is going to, <laughs> to bring clarity and it never does. So I'm I'm just going to add to to Walter's um, point around what are some of the biggest mistakes you make in the season of change. He talked about not being flexible and a negative attitude, which is very natural um, to his point. Self-preservation always kicks in when we hear something is going to be different from from what we know and what we're comfortable with. I, I would add there, you know, do not react. You know, as, as hard as that may be, it's a big mistake to react on first round of messaging. The first time you hear something that has emotional um, trigger in you, you'll never hear it clearly. You've got to hear that thing a few times 
before you can even begin to process it, even if it was delivered really well. Now, I know this because I've been married a long time, and I tell you, I have sometimes practiced in the mirror what I was going to say to my wife, particularly when I knew it was going to trigger an emotional response. I have yet to succeed in my practicing of preventing (laughs) that emotional response. And I'll full disclosure, vice versa. You know, my wife knows when something's going to trigger in me. And one of the things we've just learned, we just we're blessed. Thank God, we've just learned through the years that um, don't react on first round. Just don't react. It is best to listen and be quiet. Uh, take those two ears and let them do twice as much work as as that one mouth. And every time we do that, we will eventually come back to this statement. And the statement goes. Uh, okay, I, I see what you're saying now. That's not what I heard. Uh, and I think we all are familiar with that, right? The f- first go around, we, we finally come back and, and our response is, okay, that's not what I was hearing. Uh, and so I just say in this season of change, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is to react. And, and unfortunately, when uh, there is change, one of the first thing people do is they start jumping on Monster and, and Jobs.com and everything else, uh, and they're updating their LinkedIn, and there's just a lot of nervousness. And I'm not saying that it's it's not uh, not a good thing to to do those things and be up to date and keep yourself marketable, but I think you can you can risk leaving the right place too soon if you react immediately. One of the things that I like that you said in there, when you're not willing to be flexible, maybe you said this off air during during the break, but you said when when you're resistant to change or, or inflexible, you are telling the company no. Exactly, and and in times of change, you know, companies want to know. They, they're, they're solution oriented, yeah. And and many times they've already you know done studies on on what the solution to the problem is, and they just want to know that you're on board with it. Right. And when you lack that flexibility, and that's and that's just what you're telling the company is, no, I, I you know I think that my wisdom is beyond the wisdom of the people that are running this company, and um. And they, they, they want you to be on board with what they're doing. They want to hear of yeses. Now, some people could construe that to say they want me to be yes man and they want me to say yes to everything and, and just check your brain at the door. I don't think that's the case so much as is they want to know, are you with us going forward? Can we count on you to be remarkable in the midst of change? Right. Right. I, I I love the clarity you made there because um, I was definitely going to ask you, um, is that being a yes man? And 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 a lot of people will say that response. So I, I let me just help those of us that, you know, might might suggest that as a response that that Walter is saying be a yes man. A, a yes man or woman uh, is someone who will not share. Uh, an opinion uh, about how to improve something when they see 
there is room for improvement, right? Um, those are dangerous people. Um, but saying yes to the company when it is facing changing times and or turbulent waters, that's like saying, okay, Walt, um, this is me and you. Uh, we're getting ready to go through a storm, and I'm going to need you to, um, to to put your umbrella down and pick up that paddle because um, we got to push a little bit harder, and we got to go in a different direction in a different cu- current. Um, I need you to I need you to take that different position, get in the back, and grab the paddle. And Walter's saying, "No." So that's different from being a yes man. What the company needs Walter to say is, "Okay, yeah, I'll grab that paddle and let's push." Um, that's different from from them saying, "Okay, hey Walter, I need you to uh, get in the back and I need you to to grab that um, that spoon and start paddling." And, and Walter saying, okay, I'll grab that spoon. Now, that's a yes, man, because what Walter would should say is, boss, there's a paddle back there. How about I just grab that paddle? I think we can get a little further. And that's the difference between what Walter is saying, um, between being a yes man and saying yes to what the company is asking you to do. Very, very big difference. I love your analogy about uh, the, the paddle on the boat. I mean, because the bottom line is something that are you going are you going to help us paddle this boat to to safety, or are you going to just sit there and do nothing and we all and we all die? That's right. You know? That's right. And and that's that's not a that's not an option for the company. So rather than do that, you know, you might find yourself walking the plank. You know, we don't want that to happen. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for extending the analogy. I love it. Hey, we're we're running out of time. I got to get this last uh, question in, though. In your opinion, Walter, do workers today jump ships, keeping with the analogy, jump ship too quickly? Uh, and, and if so, what do you see as the primary reason for this? To answer the question, I would say yes. You don't see a lot of five-year... 21 years, 30 years. There's people in my, my office that just celebrated 40 years with the company. Wow. And you just don't, you just don't see that anymore. And I, I think uh, there's a couple of reasons for it. Number one, you know, people want to get paid. And if they see another pathway to getting paid that's over there, then they'll leave over here to get over there. Another, another thing is I think that loyalty is not what it used to be. There's no brand loyalty there's no, and because there's no brand loyalty, everybody's looking for the for the bigger, better deal. Who is going to give me the max contract? Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to give me uh, the most money, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, to the employer, to the employees, to to speak on their behalf, mm-hmm. you know, some of them feel as if you know. I'm going to be as loyal to me as I feel you are loyal to to me. Yeah. And yeah. the moment that I feel that you are not loyal to me, then at that very moment, I'm going to start doing what's best for me because I think that okay. at the end of the day, you're going to do what's best for you. I think, and I know where you're you're trying to go there, and I think, um, and in fairness to the employee, anybody can turn on the television 
and see and hear enough disloyalty at a corporate level that they might form that opinion. I'm of the opinion that there is more news media chatted about for sales than than in reality. Yeah, you can say that there are some bad companies out there, but there are some good companies out there. And if you're jumping around hot potato, hot potato every couple of years, there's only one commonality between all of those companies. There's only one link. At some point, that becomes you. And at, at some point, you got to ask the question, like, why Why is it so difficult for me to hang into this to one relationship? It, it, it can't be everybody. Or can it, Walter? You, you help me. I'm, I'm rambling here because... No, no, no I, I feel you on that. And I'm... I, I've thought about this uh, a lot, and I, I believe that one of the, the things is, especially with this new culture that is that is emerging, there's, there's a very strong entitlement culture out there that feels that I'm entitled to max contract before I even put on a uniform before I even prove myself, before I'm even in the game, I'm entitled to a max contract. And so, and I'm talking, this is just an analogy, mm -hmm. I'm talking about America, but, you know, they want the most they can possibly get and they want it all up front without ever having Proving. lifted a finger. Yes. You know, and that, that's not right. And then another thing I too, another thing I thought about too is that um, I, I use my son for an example. I think that it would be very difficult to teach an elementary school class now because we live in a video game, a fun, a entertainment-based uh, world right now. Everybody wants to be entertained. And so in order for you to get in front of a, a classroom full of seven-year-olds, you almost need to be a Power Ranger in order to keep their attention. You know yes. what I'm saying? And so, now let me translate that back to the workforce. Everybody wants their job to feel less like work. And they're not willing to do work. They want to go to work. They want to have fun. They want to enjoy what they're doing. And they want to get paid for that. And that's okay. I, I agree that job satisfaction and job enjoyability is very important and that's going to lend itself to productivity but at the same time work is work yeah there's a reason we call it work exactly yeah. and, and so if, if they feel that work is going to be less like work over there then maybe that's where i'll pitch my pen yeah I, i'd add to that I, I think some of the challenge there is if the work doesn't fulfill me, you know, I need to find somewhere else. Unfortunately, that is not always possible. There are some people who run into the slipstream and find the right place that it's like not going to work. And a lot of those people are entrepreneurs who create their own environment uh, as well. But, you know, for the most part, yeah, maybe this is just me, but my company doesn't pay me to fulfill me, to pay me. I, I can get fulfilled at home. I got a great wife, I got healthy and lovely children. Pay me to do the job. 
uh, and, and I can get fulfilled in other places. We're right at the end of our time here, but uh, you, you talked about the quick payday, and I just want to hit on that for a second. Uh, one guest on the show not too long ago, uh, he, he, he just made a very strong statement, and maybe you can speak to this. He said, always choose the path, not the pay. And if you cho- and I think you spoke to this kind of early on. If if you choose the path, um, and you're aligning to what you value the most, the most, then I think at the end of the day, you will rise to where you want to be. And I, I'm an example of that. Um, you know, I I found a, a path that I thought was um, the right path for me, um, and. At the end of the day, it was a slower rise for me, but it was a very steady rise. And guess what? You know, the money, um, the responsibility, the the span of control, the scope, those things came later. Um, but it was because I chased the path and not the pay. Um, I don't know what you would add, but it sounds like your 21 years uh, have been uh, a similar story. You know, there's, there's two, it, it has been, um, it had nothing to do with the pay because I was making the same money. I started off making pretty much the same money that I was making when I left the, the chemical company to come over to the insurance industry. And, but they showed me a path, whereas the, the chemical company didn't. You know, I was working a job and, and the guy that had been there 12 years ahead of me, you know, he was still kind of stuck doing the same thing, and it was it had gotten grown a little bit mundane. There was no variety that he did, and um, and he didn't get the pay, you know. So I'm just like, okay, it, 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 you're right. It cannot be the pay; it has to be the path. There's there's two sayings that I really love, and one of the sayings is it says, "Labor not to be rich." And uh, then there's another saying that said, those who will be rich, who would be rich, they fall into a temptation and a snare that drown them in their perdition. And so in other words, when you start chasing dollars, um, you will stop at nothing to get dollars. And, and it's just a matter of time before you end up in a world of compromise or dead-end jobs. Um, but there's a, the, the, the final saying that I really love, it says, the gift will make room for you. If you go into a place and you have a good, strong work ethic, it doesn't matter if you're a maid. It's just a matter of time before you're going to be a manager uh, because you have a good work ethic. And wherever you are, if you are gifted, that gift is going to pay away for you. And that's why you choose. And I love what you said, actually, that... You choose the path, not the pay, because the money is going to come if you're good. Um, that, that's just what I think. Uh, it's not a hard path, but in general, in general, I believe that is the case. And there's no better way to end a discussion on how to stay relevant in an ever-changing workplace environment than that. Uh, Walter uh, Price, thank you for being with me these last couple of weeks, these last couple of episodes. I've learned a lot and uh, you've kind of got me riled up in a few places there. So 
That means you're you're serving some good food. It's been good eating. I think the listeners would agree. Hey, thank you so much. We'll have to get you back on again at some point in the future and uh, and talk a little more. How do, how does that sound? Sounds great. Great, Sounds great. great. Let's do it. Sounds perfect. Listeners, thank you for tuning in this week. Let me just give a special shout out to my engineer and producer, Christian Wittett. Love that boy. Couldn't do this job without him. Uh, he's my right hand. Uh, why don't you go to Twitter, at rawitted.com. Leave us a message. Go to facebook.com forward slash rawitted. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you feel about the show. I'd love some suggestions on what you want to hear. And, and don't forget my house call segment. You got a good question, good career question, send me an email. Send me a note. And uh, if it is uh, good enough, I might just schedule some time to call you and get that on the air. You can send that to me at rick at rawitted.com. Until next week, you guys be blessed. Bye-bye.